to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hey, hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much, man. Not much. It's uh, our recording nights are getting complicated. Kids have gymnastics, and uh, that's, that's why I was here early today, because I had to drop uh-huh. the kids off at gymnastics. It was a dump and run. <laughs> I stopped at the door, dropped the kids off, both of them, to gymnastics. You, and then took off, and Siobhan was still at work, so she's going to come and get them. Maybe. So I assume she got them. I haven't... Stella has a phone now, so now she could have called me. Hey, um, uh, are you leaving me here? <laughs> are we doing, like, the overnight gymnastics? <laughs> <laughs> and and I feel bad because I used to be one of those parents that would... Uh, I'd like look sideways at parents who just dro- dump and run, and it's like they're not even coming in to watch their kids. Oh, Judgy <laughs> McJudgerson! I know, right? But now Don't I'm we doing to, it. We used to do that at hockey. Like, why would you not stay and watch your kids play hockey? <laughs> I got better things. To I do. got other things to do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean gymnastics, I can understand, yeah. <laughs> but hockey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, so that's my Tuesdays. That's why I'm early. I'm going to be always early now on Tuesdays. Our Tuesdays, there was a time where it was, we would do, um, call it, what do we call it, arena dinner or something like that. Oh. Because one of them had skating right after school, and then we had to hit the other rink because they had, uh, Mackenzie had hockey. And so there was no time to go home between the two for dinner. So we'd have bring dinner with us. Yeah. So while Ariana was on the ice, Mackenzie would eat his dinner. And then when Mackenzie was on the ice, Ariana would eat her dinner. Yeah. Right? So we whatever <laughs> we was we packed for dinner. And it was like oh it was and it was everything was one night of the week. Oh. Yeah. It's like there there's there's seven days. <laughs> why, <laughs> why is everything on one day? Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> But, yeah, I feel your pain, buddy. I feel your pain. Growing up, we didn't do that kind of – well, I, I grew up in rural New Brunswick, and uh, we didn't do – there was no music, gymnastics, or swim meets, or no hockey. It was – it came – bus dropped us off, and, and we went off in the woods and played and whatever. Mm-hmm. I, my parents had 310 acres of woodlot. So we didn't, but you know, they weren't going to drive. There were seven kids. <laughs> it's like, okay, who's got this? Who's got that? No, no, no. Yeah. There's there's none of that. It's like, no, you're not going to play soccer. You're going to go pick rocks out of the garden. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did the we did the soccer thing. We did the hockey thing. We did the skating thing. There was the figure skating thing. I think that was it. Yeah. Oh, volleyball. Oh, there we go. Volleyball as well. And there's summer hockey. <laughs> as well as winter hockey. And then there's three-on-three hockey. And then there was hockey lessons and hockey practice. Rep hockey. Oh. <laughs> there's a, there's, like I always yeah, you talk about, it, you know, parents, it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like being struck by lightning. Your kid's not going to get in the HL. And no. There's no. a guy I work with. His son's on the Dallas Stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, how'd that happen? Yeah. <laughs> It, it happens. It yeah. happens. But there is so much politics in kids' hockey. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It, it I was, hear about it all the time at work. I'm glad it's I never atrocious. got. I'm glad I never got tied up in that. You know what? Like, there part of me wishes we never got involved in the in the rap hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's so much kiss ass, and you know the 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 coaches. There's so many of them that 
were, oh, no, what, what did you do for me? Oh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there was your, a lot your, of Your that. kid's being benched. Yeah. I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the ones watching the other kids play going, why is that not kid playing up a level? Mm-hmm. He's demolishing everybody else <laughs> at this level. He should yeah. be playing up because we don't play the game. Mm-hmm. We refuse to play that stupid game. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, on the other hand, we would use the tournaments. Like when we went uh, Black Friday, there was always a oh, U.S. tournament. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we would be at the games and stuff, and then the moms would be at the mall early. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so much better deals down in the yeah. States, right? And but you know we bring Ariana we do it we do like a mini family vacation mm-hmm. with with tournaments like yeah. that you know um, Pittsburgh and Chicago and and uh, Detroit and yeah it's like a other vacation. places yeah it, it was like a little mini vacation mm-hmm. we we take extra time and go see a couple of things and and whatnot and um, coming back from Chicago you know everybody's like. We won the tournament. Yay. Let's head home because we got to hit that border because it's like a 12-hour drive home. <laughs> no, let's go for a deep dish pizza first because I saw this place on Diners, yeah, yeah. Drive-Ins, and Dives. <laughs> yeah, I want to check Guy that place Fieri out. said, you got to, <laughs> if you're ever in Chicago, so we're going. <laughs> and then at 3 o'clock in the morning when, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember that tournament because we made it home in time for me to – Unload the car, the truck, um, shower, get dressed, and go to work. <laughs> like, there was no time for anything extra. We made it home just. It was a rough day at work. <laughs> but it was a great. Oh, no. <laughs> About three o'clock in the afternoon, I got my second wind. And it was like, okay, now what? But, yeah, there was no time for, yeah. you know, lollygagging or anything. But, no, we, yeah, there there's there's a lot of goods that come out of, if, if you do it like it's a whole family thing and everybody buys into it. Yeah. You know, you can't go, oh, yeah, we're going to a hockey tournament again for Mackenzie. Oh, the Chicago tournament. Because Ariane and I are huge into Doctor Who. Oh, okay. And the Chicago tournament, I was manager that year. Mm-hmm. No clue that this was happening. There was an airline stewardess convention and a Doctor Who convention (laughs) (laughs) at the hotel I booked for our team, right? So the goalie dad says, yeah, there's – comes knocks on our door says, I don't know. There's some thing, science fiction convention down, some doctor, somebody. Doctor Who? Ariana and I both. (laughs) Doctor Who? Yeah, that's it. Boom! Gone like a Wee! shot. <laughs> gone like Gotta a go. shot, right? Yeah. So we, yeah, we 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 made our rounds and stuff. Paid yeah. a couple of bucks to see a couple of things, and <laughs> between hockey games yeah. and doing managerial things and and whatnot. But if you can buy, get everybody to buy into it, mm-hmm. then you know, yeah, it's a mini family vacation. You know, everybody gets something out of it. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, some days I. Wish we the money. Mm, I the know. Money. <laughs> you know, we always said, like, Mackenzie, if you want to keep playing, not a problem. I'll keep driving my truck for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't want to play, I'm good with that as well. You can just have a good reason why you don't want to play anymore. Yeah. And, uh, no, I'll play. I'll play. Because, you know, had he said, I'm done, mm-hmm. 
IRA, this year's money for hockey is going on a down payment uh, on a truck. new truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The good old days. But lots of memories, that's for sure. Yeah. You had that Ranger for what? 20 years. 20-year-old 20 yeah. Ranger. Or 400, 470,000 kilometers. That's mind-blowing. Like that. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> Went to a lot of places, and some places it shouldn't have gone. Yeah. But that ah, was a good truck. It was. <laughs> I, I would buy another one again if... It was just me, but now I got my F-150, and I like that one too much. Yeah. Uh, other than that, those non-paddling-related items. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do in the winter? Hockey. And Yeah, and training camps have started for the NHL already. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's that time they of year again. They are starting, still off topic, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... There's a female uh, oh, NHL women's, league. Yeah, Women's Professional Hockey League. Yeah. PWL or something? Professional yeah. Women's League or something? Yeah. PWHL. I heard, yeah. what, a week ago they started uh, drafts. I can't believe it hasn't been already. I know, right? Yeah. Like, it's so far behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the New York Islanders, my favorite hockey team since, like, forever. They still suck, eh? Yeah. Uh, well, they're meeting with the pack right now. <laughs> sort of sort of upper... Yeah. Upper middle class, if you would. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite players, and there's a lot of people that really love hate. You either like him or you hate him. Josh Bailey. Okay. They, they released him. He's like he was the longest tenured oh, yeah. Islander player. Like mm-hmm. He's only played for the Islanders. Oh, wow. Um, and they released him this year. So that's kind of, but he's from, he's from Bowmanville. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's from Bowmanville. And he got a tryout by the, uh, Ottawa Senators. Yeah. It looks like he'll be playing for the Sens this year. Wow. So congrats to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like the way he played. Yep. I mean, there were some days where you just look at him and think, what were you thinking? <laughs> but there's other days like just clutch, absolute clutch. Yeah. So <laughs> local boy. What was his name? Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey. Yeah. Yeah. I think they named a street after him in Bowville. Probably. Why didn't you buy a house on that street? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> if he's ever coming to town, let me yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Uh, do you like swimming? Mm, I don't know how to swim. You don't know how to swim. I can swim, but barely. So you went on all these canoe trips and you don't know how to swim. I wear a life jacket. Yeah, that's pretty much my excuse. I used to be in the Navy and everybody would ask me, oh, you don't know how to swim, but you're in the Navy? How's that possible? It's like... They don't make us swim in the middle of the ocean. We're on a ship. <laughs> yeah, but what if the ship like capsizes? Nobody's getting out alive. What if the ship capsizes? Because all you people ate so well, and you went to one side of the boat, <laughs> <laughs> and it just happened to flip. <laughs> it happens. Trust me, it happens. You know, if you're in the water, sharks are going to get you, or the cold water is going to get you. You don't have to know how to swim. Good luck. Good luck. No, you just... Kick the chick off the piano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. saw that movie. For a non-swimmer, I do a lot of water stuff. I right? scuba dive. I uh, I was in the in the navy. I canoe and kayak and and see. I don't like swimming. I hate being in the water. Really, I like being on the water. I don't like being in hmm. the water. I never have. I think it has something to do with my two brothers trying to drown me once when I was a kid at the base pool in, in North Bay. A little bit of PTSD yeah, there. A little PTSD <laughs> from the swimming pool days. Um, 
<laughs> no, I, I like, I mean, I'll go in if I have to, yeah. you know, to bathe or, mm-hmm. you know, up to my knee sort of deal when I get into the canoe or something yeah. like that when we're launching or, you know, if you're in the rapids or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I will not go in just for the sake of going in and swimming. <laughs> I, it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. So there's a thing called lake bagging. Yes. So you know what peak bagging is? If you're if you're a mountain climber, mm-hmm. it's how many peaks you can climb. Yeah, right. So you're you every time you climb, when you've bagged that peak, and there's competitions for it, and the whole meal deal. Like a lot of it, I think is more for your own personal benefit than anything else. I don't know of any big um, competitions like for more than one person, unless you're with your buddies. But there's a thing called lake bagging. It's when you keep track of various lakes you've swam in. Swam or swam? <laughs> swam in? Swam in? Uh, activity typically involves hiking to remote destinations to bag lakes by taking a dip in them. Uh, adventures have been doing this uh, lake bagging since the dawn of time. However, it has not become mainstream until 2020. Surge in popularity was partially due to COVID. Uh, physical distancing outdoors and avoiding crowds at more popular bodies of water. Also, as GPS and mobile technology have advanced and become more widely available, more lake baggers have taken up the challenge to venture to new and lesser known lakes. Sounds yeah. right. Mm-hmm. History of lake bagging goes back decades, if not longer, in the United Kingdom. In the 1950s, two enthusiastic swimmers, Colin Dodgson and Timothy Tyson, took a dunk in every small mountain lake in England's Lake District National Park. Some 463 by their count. Many of their outings took place in winter uh, with men who were 49 and 75 respectively when they finished their feet, swimming each one naked. (laughs) University of Bristol Expedition Society, founded in 1960, describes its annual lake bagging competition as a long-lived tradition, complete with a point system that awards extra points for special heroics, in quotation marks. Okay. And I'm doing the air quotes. Air quotes. Yeah. In the States, Michael Donnelly, 72, began lake bagging in the 90s. At that time, he was the vice president of the... Oregon Natural Resources Council, coalition of small grassroots environmental groups from across the state whose members like to camp, hike, and swim. So when they talk about doing different things, so okay, I know I, I, I'm not going to get fully <laughs> into it because there's too many rules, but depending on the group you're with and that, you get one point for swimming. Um, some groups say it's got to be at least 800 meters that you swim. To make it count, you can't just jump in, jump out. Yeah. Um, if you're wearing just a bathing suit, you get a point. If you're wearing your bathing suit and a shirt, you get a point or something. If you're Starkers, you get a <laughs> couple of points. So it all adds up. So you get so many points for that lake and so many. So you can. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. Not for me. Not for me. So. Stasia Stockwell 
trudges along trails through stands of spruce and fir. Her legs and shoulders are beginning to protest the heavier-than-usual pack. But the promise of what awaits at camp is worth the extra pounds. Only a couple miles down between her and the edges of an alpine lake in the Holy Cross wilderness. For this weekend trip, she and her partner are carrying the usual gear. Tent, sleeping bags, camp kitchen essentials. Plus some extra toys that add a little weight. And a lot of anticipation to the day's hike. Rather than tackling big mileage, ascending passes or summit summiting peaks they plan to lay low at brady lake and soak in the solitude on their stand-up paddle boards lake bagging but where hardcore hikers may seal their sojourn with a swim she prefers to explore destinations while staying dry helps to have the right gear a pack raft would be overkill for these relatively small lakes but an inflatable stand-up paddleboard is an ideal vessel for exploring these high-elevation bodies of water. You see these pictures. like uh, There's a lot of screensavers on my work computer. Yeah. It shows all these alpine lakes and stuff. And it's like, man, I just want to swim in one of those things. Right? But this is lake bagging with a twist. Mm-hmm. Stand-up paddleboard yeah, lake yeah. bagging. Yeah. And it's in these alpine lakes that yeah. they're doing it. So, you know, I mean, you're going to hike and blah, blah. So you can actually lake bag and lake bag. Mm-hmm. Like one without the stand-up paddleboard yeah. and one with. Yeah. <laughs> Kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> two competitions, two groups. Yeah. Catch is that your stand-up paddleboard needs to be light enough to justify lugging it up the trail. Thankfully, Denver-based Cocopelli uh, launched its Chasm Light stand-up paddleboard this summer. At about half the weight of most other inflatable stand-up paddleboards on the market, the Chasm Light is the lightest of its kind. Even so, you're still adding at least 15 pounds to your pack. So this type of trekking demands uh, trade-off shorter days on the trail in exchange for more fun at camp. Uh, The first morning at camp, rather than rushing to deflate sleeping pads and pack up for a long day on the trail, they linger in the tent, brew a cup of coffee, sip it slowly, waiting for the sun to crest a steep ridge above the lake. As the glassy water begins to glint under the morning rays, they pull out the pump and inflate the paddleboards. Lake's edge is only a couple hundred feet from the campsite. As she slips her stand-up paddleboard onto the surface, Max, her 12-year-old hound dog, steps on to join her for the ride. Her partner hops on his with a fly rod in hand, and they spend the day on the water, savoring the last bits of summer sun. They have no summits to conquer, no mileage to meet, just a sublimely lazy morning on the lake. So if you got a stand-up paddleboard, inflatable one, mm-hmm. that you don't mind lugging, or, you or can do a kayak. This. Or, yeah. Yeah, well, it's still kind of big, though. No, they're actually not that big. They would You could strap it to your backpack or whatever, right? It's still too big to be doing that. It's super light. With all your... Yeah, but <clears throat> it's bulky. I know, but it gets you on the water when you're up there, right? Thank For you. a unique experience like that, where you have to hike to the Alpine Lake. I still do it with a stand-up paddleboard. Yeah, yeah I do it with the inflatable. Because we... we uh, we talked about something similar. Had to be about two years ago. I think it was on right along the border, BC, US, and they were hiking up and paddling on this pristine lake where 
years ago, a train had crashed. That somebody was transporting these special fish, these golden trout or something, golden bellied trout or I don't whatever. Remember that one? We talked about it on one of the on one of the episodes. Did we? And uh, and so this train had crashed, and some of the fish went into this lake, and now it's one of the only sources that you can find. One of very few sources of this special it's not fish. golden trout, is it? It's golden trout, something like that. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. I thought we talked about it because I. I know we might have talked about it because I had just come back from a cast and blast with uh, John uh, John uh, Babalik, mm-hmm. and he told me about these things, and he wants to go out west and do one of these, you know, get up to up to one of these alpine lakes with his, one of his canoes, and and uh, but it was an interesting story. I thought we had talked about it on the uh, podcast, maybe not. Yeah, hold a note on me. <laughs> but it'd be so interesting to be able to, like, uh, some form, like, I'm not going to portage a canoe up into the mountains, but yeah, like a stand-up paddleboard or something like that, get up on one of these alpine lakes and paddle around. Right. Something and that's going to, I mean, because some of these pack rafts even, they roll up to the... Tiny. Tiny, yeah. right? And you want to make sure you've done your proper... Now, I'll say this to anybody who's thinking this is a great idea, make sure you properly sterilize, bleach your your watercraft, whatever, because last thing we need is getting uh, zebra, zebra mussels, mussels or something stuff, yeah. in these pristine alpine lakes. You got to be careful what you're introducing, what uh, invasive mm-hmm. species you might be carrying with you on your on your watercraft, your paddle, your shoes, or whatever. But if you're into hikes in the alpine areas, but you're mm. not really into having them do with the summits, yeah, then this might be another sort of yeah, yeah, yeah thing for you. Uh, if you're in the Colorado area, there's three areas they say you may want to try before summer is over. Even the fall would be decent if you're not too um, worried about freezing. Uh, the Missouri Lakes Holy Cross Wilderness. It's 4.4 miles one way for the Missouri Lakes look uh, out and back. Elevation gain of 1,700 feet. And paddable lakes are the Missouri Lakes bonus bonus. Treasure, Vault, and Fancy Lakes. A series of alpine lakes is the ideal place for packing a paddleboard thanks to the moderate distance and elevation gain. No shortage of water. You'll hike about four miles before reaching the largest of the lakes and you'll find ample places to pitch a tent and paddle. If you're not used to carrying extra gear, best way to do this is an out and back starting and ending at the Missouri Lakes Trailhead. So a day trip. Yeah. Right? Uh, second one is the Upper Cataract Lake Gore Range. Uh, distance of five miles one way. Elevation gain 2,300 feet. And paddable lakes are the Upper Cataract and Lower Cataract. Gore Range is replete with stunning alpine lakes, but most aren't easily accessible. The five-mile climb to Upper Cataract Lake is challenging with camping gear and stand-up paddle boards on your back, but it's worth it to paddle on this big alpine lake beauty. That'd be amazing. Craggy Eagle's Nest Peak will serve as your paddle boarding backdrop. See, that's the thing, too, is when you're paddling on these lakes, you're not hitting the the, the peaks, but you're surrounded by them, right? Yeah. Just yeah. the scenery alone. Just think of waking up in the morning for your morning coffee, you look out and you see all these snow-capped peaks. Right. And a nice alpine lake. Oh. Tells you. Uh, there are a, few, a slew of camping spots by the tree line for a bonus lake bag. Hit Lower Cataract Lake on either end of your adventure, which sits among the trees just beyond the surprise trailhead. 
And there's Lake Lakes of the Clouds Sangre de Cristo Wilderness. 4.2 miles one way, 2,300 feet uh, elevation gain. And paddleable lakes are Lakes of the Clouds. If you're up for venturing a little further from the front range, the Sangre de Cristo Mountains offer both seclusion and a handful of heavenly alpine lakes. Start at the trailhead of the Gibson Creek parking area outside of Westcliff. Meander along the stream, linking the first small portion of the Rainbow Trail to the Lakes of the Clouds Trail. After trekking just over four miles, you'll be greeted by the Lake Lakes of the Clouds chain of three emerald pools. Find a campsite tucked in the trees nearest the lower lake. Uh, spend the day splashing around in the water. Once you get started, you may be spending next summer, uh, <laughs> spending your winters looking at Google Maps for new lakes to beg next summer. Sounds like it would be oh. addictive. Oh, absolutely. Right? I mean, I think once you, if you're into the hiking with the gear, mm-hmm. adding a pack, like a rolled up. Yeah, that's no And a couple it's, of paddles. How, how easy would that be? Right? Fold up, yeah, a collapsible paddle. You carry, a, you know, a simple life jacket and... Maybe an inflatable life jacket, and, yeah. and so it packs up small. And, uh, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> hmm. Do we have any mountains around here? <laughs> no. <sighs> no. There's a big alpine lake down here called Lake Ontario. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you'd have to hit the Blue Ridge or East Coast, yeah. but the West Coast would be where it'd be really rewarding. You don't get snow-capped peaks on the no. on the East Coast. No, you you definitely got to hit West Coast, mm-hmm. Colorado for sure. Uh, Calum Watson. Oh yes, I. <laughs> this is uh, it's funny because I get sent different. Like, something will happen in the news. Yeah. And I'll get, like, 15 different people send it to me. Okay, yeah. I don't mind, you know, because uh, it, it saves me from having to look up things. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this was one of the things. Uh, Caleb w- uh, Watson pulled his canoe onto the shore of Taktayaktak, Northwest Territory, September 16th, ending an epic trip that saw him paddle 3,000 kilometers across the vast wilderness of the Northwest Territories completely alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't think North to South, Northwest Territories was 3,000 kilometers. Well, I, I guess it really depends on how many, uh, as a crow flies, no. <laughs> but But if you have a lot of switchbacks and... Yeah. And whatever, if you're following a coastline of a lake, you're straight across the lake is 10 kilometers, but you follow the coastline is 30. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, but it's just, a, it still just doesn't I know. seem. I know. It seems a very massive yeah. distance for, for that area. So I, I, I was skeptical too on, on the, on the kilometerage of this distance, but it's like, well, if he says he did it, he did it. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he had the, uh, GPS, GPS trackers, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. 24-year-old guy from Regina ended his journey 125 days after he set off from Fort Smith, Northwest Territories. Uh, When he got back, when he finished, he says he has an enhanced love for the North paddling and time he spent alone. Now, Fort Smith is right on the border of Alberta and Northwest Territories. Yes. Uh, Directly south, I believe, of Great Slave Lake. Yeah. 
he said it's the true it's the friendships he developed and the people he met along the way that stand out as the highlights he says which sounds unusual for a long trip alone in the wilderness but there's just some really incredible people up there in those remote communities he says vast majority of his trip was no people at all but when i did come into a place usually as soon as i got there it would only take a few minutes before i would meet somebody who would just be trying to help me out as much as they possibly could this sounds a lot like other trips we've heard people talk about like mike ranta for instance yep, he says it's exactly. the people mm-hmm. you know you're paddling and if you need something, they're there to help you out. There are a lot of people yeah. interested in what you're doing because it's odd that somebody does that sort of thing. Well, right? it's odd. Like uh, I, I thought about this often. Like I remember back when we followed Mike Ranta when he crossed Canada and stuff like that. I think it, it's in a way for me, what my perception of it is, is, is that it's a way for you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Yes. So Mike Ranta is doing or, or this, uh, Caleb guy did it, and if you can help him on his way or do something to interact, then you're a part of that journey, mm-hmm. so you become a part of the story, and so it's it's just a way of uh, of not necessarily doing the trip, but of just being a, a small piece, piece of, of that. Yeah. yeah, I spent months of planning to get it, to get this trip underway. Uh, carefully mapped out his route, gathered and tested his supplies, mailed packages of food to predetermined locations along his route. Back home in Regina, his parents, Chandra and Justin, followed their son's journey, tracking his movements through the GPS. Uh, Chandra said one of the first things he did every day was check, uh, she did, was check Caleb's uh, location. There were times when the GPS device battery died and the family lost contact with him. And that's scary, she says. At one point, uh, Kalen became ill with a bad foot infection. According to Justin, his dad, the problem started after a three-day portage through cold, marshy bogs with Kalen carrying his heavy gear. His feet became numb and turned white, something Justin likened to trench foot. Everybody of you here, trench foot, you're thinking of world wars. And world like War I war in the trenches. It's yeah. very cold. You're in fear, constantly and, wet. Yeah. And Vietnam, they I know that, that was a yeah. big issue. And you got to keep them dry, right? Uh, um, his toes then turned purple and got a bad infection. 30-day trek from a medical center and a float plane couldn't access the area because of wildfires. <laughs> So Justin was able to reach people, the small community of Delaney, uh, Northwest Territories, 544 kilometers northwest of Yellowknife, and explained his son's plight. He said the chief and elders met to come up with a plan. The plan involved Bruce Kenny fueling his boat, grabbing salt for the infection, and a first aid kit, taking his boat 250 kilometers across Great Bear Lake, to the, which is the biggest lake totally inside of Canada. So the Great Lakes don't Yeah, because that, they're right? just, they're yeah. border lakes. Uh, deliver medical supplies to Calum. In total, it was a 500-kilometer round trip for the Delaney resident. 500 by motorboat. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> the vibrations through your butt. Yeah, I know, right? Entire, man. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, gas. And gas, yeah. yeah. He would have had gas cans upon gas cans. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Bruce got Calum's Garmin coordinates from Justin, found him on the shore the next day. Uh, it says that Kennedy, Kenny sent videos and pictures to assure Calum's parents their son was okay. Overwhelming that a stranger would do that, Justin says. Calum was eventually able to paddle to Delaney, population 533 people, where the people had a meal prepared and invited him to a spiritual gathering. He was able to continue his journey and pulled to shore in Tuktoyaktuk September 16th, completing his journey on the shore of the Arctic Ocean with his parents, grandparents, and brother waiting to greet him. He says he's filmed his trip and also kept journals, hoping one day to turn the adventure into a film or book. He says the whole journey has been a life-changing for us, his mom says. It's an amazing trip. It, yeah, if you got the time to do it, right? I know it's like this. This is uh, what unemployed people do. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm thinking, right? So, yeah, 20, 24 years old. Yeah, yeah, still young, right? Yeah, he's got opportunities to find a new job. <laughs> yeah. So when I was looking, because he doesn't actually say what his route was, but I was looking. So leaving. Um, so I sent you when I when I heard about this, I sent you what I drew. I thought his route was, which would have been the easy route. <laughs> and you know what? I didn't even realize that's what that was. And then I I just looked at the map, yeah, and just figure from smart 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 fish, which is also <laughs> Fort Smith, <laughs> from Fort Smith. If you go up directly um, north, well, you go up the Slave River to Great Slave Lake. And then the, to the Mackenzie River, which comes out of, right up to the Arctic Ocean and tuck, tuck, tuck. That's yeah. the most direct route. Mm-hmm. They go, okay, well, apparently, you know, Kalen wanted a little bit of a challenge. challenge. <laughs> so, What's so, the most illogical route we can find? Right. <laughs> and now the Great Great Bear River joins the Mackenzie and Great Bear Lake. And I think it's about just over 100 kilometers long. So I'm trying to figure, did he go up that way and then across to Delaney and then back down that hundred kilometers <laughs> to the Mackenzie, back to the Mackenzie and continue yeah. on. But considering they had to take a boat across Great Bear Lake, it seems that Caleb took a harder route to which I'm thinking Delaney and the Mackenzie River are both on the west side of Great Bear Lake. Yep. Directly north... So if you went directly north of Great Slave to Great Bear, uh, Great Bear, there's a whole bunch of smaller lakes and rivers and everything, um, which then you could head, you know, get into Great Bear Lake if you take that route. And it was a lot more challenging, and there'll be a lot more portaging and stuff. And then you could just cruise straight through to the Mackenzie River and and up. Uh, so I did a little bit of sleuthing, and that's exactly what he did. Okay, it looks like he, did. he went to Great Slave, then he went up through that hard section directly north into uh, Great Bear, and then across he headed west to Delaney, Great uh, Great Bear River, and then the Mackenzie River up. Hmm. I'm trying to find that on a map right now. Yeah, it's there. It's in the northern part of Canada. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but when you're trying to zoom in and find these... Uh, oh, Delaney is on the west, west, uh, northwest coast. Of Great Slave? Of Great... No, Great Bear. Great Bear. Yeah. Yeah, one lake north. 
Uh, hosp- like I say, the hospitality and, and that the people were showing him along along the way. You know, it's it's not a new thing for long distance paddlers to to say that. Uh, like I say, with Mike Ranta, he every trip that he's done, yeah, cross Canada or the people he's I know it, that, it's the people that he yeah. meets that you know they're they're the, the the friendly ones, they're the hospitality and and all of that. And it goes to show you that as much planning as you do, you can't plan for you it all. You can't plan for everything. Sometimes things just go beyond your control. Things happen. The best thing to do, don't panic. Assess the situation and make your plan to go through it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, lucky for him, he plan yeah. came together. Yeah. and uh, with, with help. and With help and he finished the trip. Yeah. It's an amazing trip. I would love to do that. Yeah. I'd have to retire first. Well, you're not that far. <laughs> Another 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Soon. Talking of soon, more later than sooner, <laughs> uh, Canadian Canoe Museum has revealed the official grand opening date for its highly anticipated new museum. We know it was supposed to start this fall, but now it will set to open its doors winter of 2024 followed by a grand opening celebration in May. So disappointed. I know. I thought it was going to be this fall. And, disappointed. And we had, we, we, had, we had planned on doing interviews for our 400th episode. Right. And- this, 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 doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't work for us. <laughs> no. Sorry. Sorry, this just doesn't work for us. Uh, unveiling a new museum initially planned for this fall faced delays due to nationwide construction industries, challenges, Issues such as material labor availability, supply chain disruptions, complex scheduling resulting in unavoidable setbacks in completing the two-story 65,000-square-foot museum and its five-acre lakefront campus. Canoe Museum and its project team remain steadfast in their commitment to ensure the highest quality standards for the new museum, including a Class A controlled museum museum environment, which... uh, my uh, daughter upstairs with the Smarticle Particles, who graduated in art history, curatorial studies, museum technology, all that, was able to say, "With this isn't this is something you need to work on to get yes. certification for. It's not something you can just do 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 do." There's tight temperature and humidity controls that you need to com- control yeah. throughout the different seasons and throughout the day and night, and so it's uh, there's like different classes of it. It's very interesting. Yeah, she's saying when you when you're dealing with Items that are culturally um, significant, significant and, and sensitive stuff like that. to the construction. You, you have to go through all these different classes, mm-hmm. get all these different um, controlled environment things. And yeah. uh, she says, yes, one of the museums she was working at, they had to do that. Mm-hmm. And now they're talking about moving it to a different building and they have to redo everything and get recertified. <laughs> yeah. And she says it was a nightmare. Yeah. So, so that's one of the things they're working for. Um, World class facility is scheduled to open in winter 2024 and will host an official celebration after the ice melts, featuring the symbolic launch of canoes into the water. The event will bring together donors, partners, members, volunteers, and esteemed dignitaries from coast to coast to coast. It will coincide with the beginning of the paddling season and mark the launch of the Canadian Canoe Museum's full visitor experience, including on-water activities that honor Canada's enduring paddling legacy. 
The Canadian Community Museum is eager to welcome back teachers, students, and community members with customizable and curriculum-linked programs that utilize the outdoor campus year-round. Activities such as fire building, outdoor cooking, camping, plein air painting, and paddling skills will be offered. Now, the fire building part. Hmm. If you got yourself a brand new museum facility, yeah, and you're just letting all these people come in here willy nilly starting fires. Well, I think that we filled fires in the museum. Oh, you say? <laughs> <laughs> Things happen. <laughs> Mom, Dad, quick! Guess what I just learned outside. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> you're talking to the guy who got uh, a Christmas gift of. Um, Oh, yes. Sparker tool. <laughs> a sparker. And I Flint. took the Christmas, Flint and Steel, and I took the Christmas wrap and made a little pile on the floor, and, ooh, it does work. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go over well. <laughs> I started a fire. Too bad we don't have a fireplace. <laughs> <clears throat> um, the the Lang Lakefront campus will offer on-water programming in the spring, including Voyager canoe tours, canoe and kayak rentals, children's day camps, adult paddling courses, and backcountry canoe trips throughout the summer. This is so much more than they had at the old one. Oh, yeah. This and thing is just like, like 10 which times. Which is why they had the goal to be on the water. Mm-hmm. And uh, the original location didn't work out because of the of the toxins in the ground. They had to remove it and go somewhere else. But they wanted to be on the water so they could do water-relevant tripping in relation to the Canoe Museum. Yeah. Despite construction delays, the museum recently achieved a significant milestone by moving over 100 canoes and kayaks to the new exhibition hall, collection of its national significance, and has garnered recognition for its cultural importance to Canada. Uh, the museum and its partners are actively relocating the remaining 500 watercraft to the new museum over the next two to three months, with support from Peterborough-based McWilliams Moving and Storage. Museums Inspiring Canada by Canoe Fundraising Campaign continues to gather momentum, having reached 90% of its $40 million goal. 97%. What did I say? 90. Oh, sorry, 97. 97%. Mm-hmm. They're almost its, there. Yeah. Fundraising events held in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, and Peterborough, Ontario demonstrate the nationwide support and enthusiasm for the new museum. The new museum's realization is made possible through contributions from lead donors, government partners, sponsors, including Government of Canada, the Weston Family Foundation, City of Peterborough, Peterborough County, and the province of Ontario. Further information on the new museum, updates on its opening, or to make a donation to the fundraising campaign, visit canoemuseum.ca backslash new dash museum. We are getting yeah. close. We yeah. thought it would be starting. We originally thought it was going to open September, October, but yeah. but you know, there's there's delays. You got to expect a project this size, this caliber. Ooh, like you Doesn't work for it. me. <laughs> it does not. I Doesn't fit do. my timeline. <laughs> it does not. We are drinking cowbell beer tonight. I'm, Absent landlord Kolsch ale. It's yeah. not actually not too bad. Yeah, it's uh, up near Goderich is where they're brew out of. Mm-hmm. This one's good. Pairing bratwurst, beer-battered perch, grilled veggies, baked brie, and pear salad. That's rather specific. Mm-hmm. 
Can <laughs> go upstairs and make me a pear salad right now. They must have, you know how you have sommeliers for wine and and whatever they call the people who do the scotches and and so they must have beer people who the people that food. do the scotches we call them Kevin Callens. <laughs> 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 oh, speaking of Kevin Callen, uh Canoe Hound Adventures. Oh yes, that's As we're recording this, we are missing his first show of the season. Yep. His they're, they're premier yep. uh, 2023-2024 season. Uh, yeah, that's on YouTube. He does it live every Tuesday. Dennis Rogers, Canoe Hound's uh, Adventures. Um, Canoe Hound Outdoor Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does that. He does that every every Tuesday. It's live YouTube thing yep. that you can go and check out. Uh, so yeah, well, we're recording this. Unfortunately, <laughs> we should we should we should talk to him about doing a collab where we just drop in on his show. We're recording our show; he's recording his show. When we just do a brief oh, like five a crossover, a little event. like a five minute collab. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that would work. It would be it would be challenging. Could be, it would be challenging. Yeah. We'd have to do. We'd have to get together like a couple days beforehand have, and yeah, figure it out. Figure it out, and then have like area down here texting people back and forth to make sure that we're lined up time wise. Yeah, <laughs> sounds complicated. No, sounds fun is what it sounds. Like. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but there was a blackout. <laughs> <laughs> Everything just went. Whoop. And it'll be funny, just as funny if it doesn't work. Yeah. Alrighty here. What else we got? Uh, got a couple more things here. Um, bum 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 bum. Arctic Cowboys. Oh yes. So we talked about this, and there was a bit of an update because there's three groups going. There's the Arctic Cowboys with um, West Hansen and, and and company. Maddie Clark, who's kayaking the other way. Yeah. And then four rowers from the UK. Who are going, I guess, sort of racing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. Right? It seems to be the year for it. Yeah. So the Arctic Cowboys, as tonight, now when this comes out Thursday, they'll be that much close, probably about 100 miles closer because they're yep. bagging anywhere from 30 to 50 miles a day. Yeah, I think they're averaging about 40. Yeah. They, so they're, right now they're about 500 miles. So by the time you're hearing this, it's probably going to be about 400 miles to Tuktoyak. Uh, they're being getting hit by some huge waves, six to 30 foot rollers. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that? No, I can't. And, and it's also worse for the fact that they're getting into the shoulder season. They, they've left summer. They're right on the, on the verge of winter. Mm-hmm. And so the storms and the winds are coming in and you know, it doesn't, sure. You, they're going to get some rain, some flurries and stuff like that. It's the winds that are the problem. Yes. When you get the big waves, the big rolls in, it's just, that's the tough part. But the rainstorms have been coming. The temperatures have been dropping. Mm-hmm. Weather forecasts have been calling for some ice mixed with the rains. Yep. Uh, yeah. Right now they're just trying to beat the the coming winter weather. Mm-hmm. But they're they're just going through it. They're paddling every day now. They haven't been. They've been going nonstop. Yeah. So. Uh, thearcticcowboys.com for the latest updates. They have a daily or not a daily, a, maybe a bi-daily. As much as possible, blog. Yeah. So Tom McGuire, he's yeah. he's been getting them up every three to six days or something. Yeah. And um, there's also the the GPS route that you can follow. You on can the map. find out exactly, exactly where they are at are. any moment. Yeah. What was I want to say? Percy's cabin. Mm-hmm. I think that was 
one of the places they should be in today. today. Okay. Spending the night tonight yeah. was up that way. So hopefully. Maddie Clark, uh, for weeks he's been uh, wrestled adversity in his attempt to row the Northwest Passage. Well, paddle it. First, his partner Adam Riley injured himself and had to withdraw. Then his dagger board broke twice. Recently, as high waves slapped the boat repeatedly on the water, a seam in his boat cracked, letting in the water. Now his electrical system has given up the ghost and has prompted him to call it quits. He is currently a little more than halfway to Pond Inlet, the at the easternmost terminus of the passage. Uh, he has just rounded the northern tip of King William Island, where Sir John Franklin's two ships came to grief in 1846. So he plans his plan is to work his way 200 kilometers down to the Inuit town of Joe Haven, and that's where he'll end. Without electrical system, his bilge pumps won't work. He can't recharge his communication devices. Although he has a backup solar panel, the low autumn sun isn't strong enough to charge adequately. So, and now his buddy Adam Riley's been helping him with logistics to uh, get yeah. him to Joe Haven. So. Yeah, it's tough when you have when you start having complications like that, and it, it just becomes a safety issue. It's like he he's solo as it is, which yeah. is dangerous. And now he's got uh, you know with communications issues and his cracked throat, and yeah, it's, one wrong move and it's a search yeah. and rescue. Yeah, exactly. Right. So yeah, it's time to pull the plug. Unfortunately, but uh, Maddie gave it a good one. Hopefully, maybe yeah. you'll. Continue on and uh, go yeah. back up next summer. And he, and he realistically couldn't do, couldn't continue just because it's he's got weeks to go. Yeah, yeah. The four rowers from UK, um, they're trying to row the Northwest Passage from east to west. Chose not to continue in the fall weather, the rough fall weather. Started the row August seventeenth, which is we were talking about earlier. That seems kind of late. Yeah, they could have started, started early to mid-July is when the ice broke up. So, what was it? Uh, the Arctic Cowboys, they started around mid-July. They got yeah. chased back to shore because of the ice flows. And they, they had constant problems and issues with the ice flows. And they didn't really find clear water until around early August. So, maybe the rowers decided not to go out there until there was a full guarantee of, of full yeah. breakup. Uh, in, uh, they made good progress at first, but in Cresswell Bay, just north of Bella Strait, um, Bella Strait, difficult conditions prompted them to use their electric motor, which we talked about, yeah. depriving their expedition of its self-supported status. Then their dagger board split in half on a sand bank, but they had a spare. 13 days, they reached, uh, Bella Strait. Here they waited for calm weather before relaunching on September 1st. They made good progress past Victoria Island, the location of Cambridge Bay. Again, they waited for calm weather, but with the arrival of the Arctic fall, such days are fewer and shorter. High winds and large waves deterred them enough on that on September 14th, they decided to abort the expedition with 1,100 kilometers to go. So they're quite the ways behind west in the But Caribbean. they were making really good time. Mm-hmm. They are now making their way back towards Cambridge Bay, where they will store the boat over the winter, and they plan to return to finish the undone portion next summer. Yeah, so they do it in two parts, but it's uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that when when the weather starts, the fall weather starts to roll in, and winter starts to threaten, then you know, it does make things difficult and riskier, right? Mm-hmm. More challenging. You got to call it. Mm-hmm. I mean. 
if there are four of them rowing and they're hitting these 30 foot swells, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd want to be in that big boat or no. if I wanted to be in a kayak or if I'd rather yeah. just be on shore. <laughs> yeah. Stand up paddleboarding, baby. I half paddled, half surfed all the way. Yeah. But thirty foot rollers. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's when it comes to stuff like that, the problem is is it's 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 more difficult. You're fighting the wind, you're fighting the seas, and if you get rolled over and, and you can't roll back up, you have to swim ashore and, and you know, reorient and dry stuff out and then get going again. It's just, man, it's just what would he, on a calm day, you could do in like an hour is taking them like a day. Yeah. Right? So it's, yeah. Air on the, on the part of caution, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be careful. It's, it's, it's so far up there. It's so isolated that, you know, any, any small injury could become a major problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, we'll still be following West and, and the group and Mm -hmm. hopefully (laughs) I I should be on, if they do it mid October, maybe I should start a GoFundMe and fly up and meet them because I'll they'll be arriving as I'm on my <laughs> post Thanksgiving oh there you go week holiday that would be pretty cool to get up there and and, and greet them as them they come, come in. in but you'd have to know you'd have to plan it pretty tight because you can't just go up there and it's like okay well I guess they're gonna be another week so I'm in another week in a hotel and I'm extending my vacation you'd have to know get a really good idea of when they're going to be arriving. I just call and work, say I've got COVID up here and <laughs> I'll be spending yeah. myself isolated for a while. I'm isolating. I'm oh, sick. <laughs> yeah. No, they pulled in today. So happens I've got on a return I, ticket. I, 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 my COVID disappeared this morning. I came outside for a breath of air and yeah. in they came. How convenient for me. <laughs> well, it would be, uh, it would be very, well, how long that, that's, it's too far to drive. You'd have to fly. Hmm. Have you seen me drive? <laughs> True. True. And it's a road trip, dude. Yeah. Just drive 24 hours. 24 hours a day driving. You could make it across Canada in two and a half, three days. Yeah. And then up. And then up for another day, day and a half. Arrive the same day they do. Yeah. Spend a couple <laughs> of days sleeping in the back of the truck. And... and, and and you, it'd be easier to plan. Well, you know, if you just stole a vehicle, you could abandon the vehicle and fly home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just steal somebody's vehicle from around the corner here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> drive it like a madman. <laughs> drive it like it you there. stole it. Yeah. Drive it like I stole it. But we just fly home. We'll have to look into plane tickets, see what they cost. One way, though, because I just stole a car. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. Good idea. I knew you were full of great ideas. Just full of great ideas. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to be an accomplice? Uh, I'm looking for... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, as Wes and them are pulling in, they see this car booting it up the road <laughs> and all these cop cars chasing the Smokey and the Bandit. That'll go over well. Hey, Wes. Beep, beep. <laughs> Just keep on going. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> well, I saw them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I waved with one finger. Oh... Uh, Olympics are next year. It's what wait in Paris. Summer Olympics. Well, considering there's kayaking and canoeing. Okay. So 
Because ask me, I don't know. You could do Olympics. When was the last summer Olympics? It was where was where was where? Japan was it? I, Japan just had I, Winter Olympics. Oh, did Nagano Japan have the one? Winter one? Nagano, that was like no, that ten was, years ago. Yeah. Eight years ago. Like I pay attention to these things. I know. I don't pay attention either. Apparently, no. Was it Britain? Oh, London. What was London? London one? one was must have been the last. See, one. we should really Google these things before we start no, because, recording. No, because it doesn't <laughs> matter until you start asking all these dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what questions is going to Derek going to ask now? So, kayak cross is a new sport at the Paris Olympics next year. Are you Googling it? Where was it? Was it London? <laughs> uh, the internet doesn't know either? I don't feel so bad. Paris had in... Paris had in 1924 and 2024. See? 100 years apart. Huh. Uh, no, so Google's not being my friend right now. Thank you, Google. <laughs> I Googled where was the last Summer Olympics, and it's giving me uh, Paris Olympics tw- 1924 and 2024. So uh, there was no Olympics between them. 2016 was in Rio. Anyways. Oh, Tokyo, 2020. See? Told you. So Tokyo in, in 64 and 2020, Seoul in 88, Beijing 2008. 2016 in Rio. Okay. And Paris in 2024. Yes. Where they will have kayak cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New sport. Four athletes race each other at the same time. Uh, that in itself changes everything. It's a bit like snowboard cross or BMX racing. It's full of new things and it's a challenge to discover all of them, says Marjorie Delasus of France. It's really amazing. It's nice to race. It's nice that you and the other girls aren't competing alone. It's unpredictable. You don't know what the other women are thinking, and you don't know how they will complete their run. Because usually you get the kayaks going down the gates and and all that one person. Everybody watches the yeah. one person go, right? Now you're going to get four of them at once. <laughs> it's like a contact sport now. If you're not hyped yet, just wait until you get to know all the rules of Kayak Cross from start to finish. Kayak Cross is like no other canoe slalom event. Firstly, four athletes compete at the same time. They start the race together from a ramp located above the water. Huh. So then I guess the gate opens and they shoot straight down into the water, water, right? right? Uh, you're there at the start. Your heart is beating. The race is about to happen. You just wait for the ready and the ramp to go. You just have to go off as quick as you can, says Britain's Kimberly Woods. From there, athletes race against each other on a course with a maximum of six downstream gates to upstream gates. It's a constant battle that requires a mindset radically different to kayak singles. We're in direct confrontation with each other. (laughs) There's a lot of contact and strategy is important because you need to adapt to the other athlete's choices. If someone decides to go through a gate in a certain way, how can I react and overtake her, says Delasus. In this event, you are allowed to touch the gates, but missing one will mean disqualification. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also something else that is unique about kayak cross, the kayak roll. 
In a defined zone of the course, the athletes are required to complete a kayak roll, which means completing a 360-degree rotation that includes your head going under the water. It is an extremely technical part of the race in which the possibilities are endless. You need to be fast. Sometimes you don't really know where you will end up, but you try to analyze it so you can take the next gate properly. It's an extra layer of difficulty. Because if you're zipping down and you're aiming for something and you do a roll and you come up and you're slightly off and somebody else is there and you're bumping and... Then you try, so you got to try to avoid people, and you got to try to get back <laughs> onto course, and that definitely would add something yeah. to it. This is this is almost like full contact bowling. <laughs> well, you saw you saw that video of the kayaks doing the uh, like the crashed ice uh, uh, toboggan run. Yeah, that looked pretty fun too. Right? Like you're, you're full on contact. These guys are sliding sideways, backwards, front ways, running in each yeah. other, rolling over each other. <laughs> See. Uh, the format of the competition is also different. It starts with a time trial in order to determine the heat and the bracket. During the preliminary rounds, the top two finishers in each race go through to the quarterfinals, and this continues until the final where the medals are awarded. Hmm. Kayak cross. That sounds think, exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Because we'll have to get up early for those, right? Yeah. Fish in Paris. Yes. Um, yes. I think they, I'll either get up earlier. I'll have this one playing on the big screen at work. <laughs> just to, I'll just take my laptop into the boardroom and watch this there. So they've got the next two already picked too for Summer Olympics. Well, it takes a while to get everything ready. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so yeah. Twenty twenty four is Paris, France. Twenty twenty eight is L A in the U S. And twenty thirty two is in Brisbane, Australia. 2032 already? Well, yeah, I guess 24, right? They don't have the 2030 Winter Olympics picked yet. That's still to be determined. But the the next winter is in Milan, Italy. London Olympics were in 2012. 2012, yes. That was a while back. Yeah, London and then Rio. Then Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah, because Tokyo was the one that was doing it during COVID. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. It was delayed too, wasn't it? Yeah. See, we knew things. We knew things. We just don't choose to remember them. <laughs> There's just too many items that, yeah. you know, my brain like, okay, you know what? Yeah, we'll just shove that way to the back because there's other yeah. more important things up front. <laughs> Sometimes it takes the little little man in my brain has to walk down a couple of flights of stairs, go way back to the filing cabinet, way in the back to... Take some time to get that information from that cabinet. I know, right? Right, especially the older we get, that little guy up there is getting older. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't move as fast. I don't know which cabinet it's in. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped for for four pee breaks on the way. <laughs> you get a snack. Uh, well, that's all I've got this week. Yes. <laughs> uh, I found a picture of that golden trout. Yeah, it's it's a it's a nice looking fish. Is it the golden eye trout? No, just golden trout. Just golden trout. California golden trout. Very pretty trout. Not to be confused with the California golden seals, which was, I believe, a hockey team back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> See, I came back to hockey. And when we're talking about this, uh, this uh, uh, 
competitive swimming hole thing. Oh, lake bagging. Lake bagging. So the one that I, I mentioned it last week to you, and I was trying to remember exactly what my memory is trying to remember. But uh, what it was is uh, when we did Wabakimi for uh, that canoe trip I did last last uh, fall, we had heard about this dude who was doing 30 swims in 30 spots around Thunder Bay in 12 hours. He oh, yes. We talked about yes, that guy. Yes, we talked about that Right. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. So swimming holes, not necessarily swimming lakes. Swimming holes, not lakes. Yeah. yeah. He's a hole bagger, not a lake bagger. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get them mixed up. They might yes. get upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything else to add this week? I don't. <laughs> I've added enough. Uh, I've added enough. You need more cheese balls. Yes. Uh, Costco has cheese balls. Again, the big bucket of yep. cheese balls. So yep. we've got two. It's a big bucket of cheesy air. Yeah. Have you gotten one of the big chunks of just like cheese coating i've gotten that once a long time ago i remember oh. it's like and at first you think oh this is going to be a treat no no it's not a treat <laughs> no, it's not a treat no it's just cheese dust. yeah it's just a like big a, a chunk of it's like the uh powdered cheese from craft dinner <laughs> yes. just take a whole take a spoonful of that and throw it in your mouth yeah exactly it's exactly the same that thing. was a mistake yeah <laughs> <laughs> well righty <laughs> Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download our streamer episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.